15th Psalm, only five verses, um, but packed with, I mean, there's a, a good question to start with. Who, who's going to dwell in the presence of the Lord? Who's going to be able to stand in the presence of the Lord, right? So verse number one says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? And that's the question. So here's the answer, right? The answer comes next. Verse 2 says, he that walketh uprightly. Right? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. Now, I couldn't read the word heart there without thinking back to last week. The fool says in his heart there is no God. But here he speaks the truth in his heart. There is a God. He speaks the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not, that would be to slander, that would be to spread gossip. Um, you know, that backbiteth not with his tongue. You know, it's one thing to go back to the last week's psalm, and the man said in his heart, he didn't say with his lips, he said in his heart there is no God. Here, it's one thing to say within yourself something about someone and then repent of that thing and it not ever make it out of the from behind your teeth with your tongue and your lips because when it when it comes out with that then it has opportunity to spread it has opportunity to injure it has opportunity to say things that may we may never be able to recover from you know so nor do with evil to his neighbor and just think about the uh, what Scripture tells us, to do unto others as what we would have them do unto us. You know, as we would have them do unto us. I, I, I know there's lots of people out there that would like to do it differently. You know, do unto others before they do unto you. Um, do unto others like they do unto you. Uh, but that's not what we're called unto nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. So, verse 4 says, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned. It's, it, it, a vile person is considered to be vile. Uh, we, don't, we don't take up the things they take up. We don't do the things they do. We really don't even, we, we can't go out of the world. We have to be around them if we're going to be light and salt, but we don't keep company with them necessarily. But he honoreth them that fear the Lord. Those are the ones we want to keep company with. You know, how good, how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity, right? He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. I've, I've, I've known people that have, that have said things and they agreed to something, and things changed, not by, through any fault of their own, but things changed, and they kept their word. They, they, they swore, as it were, to their own hurt. You know, they, they said they were going to do something, and even though it cost them to do it, you know, they, they had planned on making a profit, but it cost them to do it. They swore... And so, therefore, they didn't change. And it was to their hurt, but it was before the Lord, it was a, an honorable thing. 
Uh, it was their integrity. It was, it was God's glory that was at stake. They swore to their own hurt, and they did not change. Verse number 5, the last verse in our text says, He that putteth not out his money to usury. So maybe there's someone here in the congregation that needed some help, and you had the means thereby to help them. Um, well, are you going to charge them interest? You know, or are you just going to help your brother or sister who needs help? You know, he putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. So that would be kind of like bribery, wouldn't it? Here's an innocent party, right? They've been, they, they, this thing has come against them, you know, and, and you know the truth. And somebody says, hey, you know, I'll give you this, or I'll do this for you if you'll decide with us against this so that we can get what we want. Um, so um, he doesn't take reward against the innocent. And then in the end of verse number 5, it says, He that doeth these things, these things we've been looking at, all the way from verse 2 to verse number 5, He that doeth these things shall never be moved. Which harkens back, you know, to the beginning of our study in the book of Psalms, right? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree that's planted by rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now that, that sounds like he that doeth these things shall never be moved, right? Moved away from the hope that we have in the gospel, Moved away from the hope that we have in Christ. Moved away from the hope that we have in God. We're doing what's right in His sight. And we commit our cause to the Lord. We say, Lord, here's this thing that's happening, and, and I want to do what's going to honor you. The Lord, Lord, strengthen me to be able to do that. I can't do that on my own. There's going to be lots of things coming against me in the course of this. Um, there's lots of fingers that are already pointing, lots of tug, tongues that are already wagging. Um, help me to stand. The Lord will help you to stand. The Lord will cause you to stand. The Lord will keep you and cause you to stand so that you're not moved. So in the end, he's glorified. Uh, he's honored. Uh, he's magnified. Uh, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do thank you for the day that you have so graciously given unto us that we're able to gather together here as your people. We pray that you would speak to each and every heart. We pray, Father, that not a man would be heard, but that we would hear from you. We pray that you'd speak unto each and every one of us. We pray that we would uh, have an understanding, that we would go forth from this place knowing what it is that you've said unto us this morning and keeping these things in our hearts and minds, that we may not just be hearers of them, but we may also be doers. So we look unto you this morning, Father, if there's someone here this morning that looking at these things and examines themselves and says, I'm not so sure those things are true of me, that, that you would help them to, to understand and see that and, and Father, perhaps repent uh, of the repentance that they may have made a profession in years past, Father. But here's, here's a test that's before us, and, and we've all got to take it this morning. And so we pray that you'd speak to each and every one of us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, like I said, a question 
and then the answer that follows, and we might even say it's kind of a test uh, to see whether or not you be in the faith. Examine yourselves and see whether or not you be in the faith. You know, that is, that is the thing that's set before us really here this morning as we look at it. Who shall dwell with him? Uh, it's, it's asked because of the character of God. I mean, Brother JT's already been telling us this morning something about that. What is God? Give me, give me a, a, nat, a, a characteristic, an attribute of God above all. Holy. holy. God is holy above everything else. His love is a holy love. You know, his, his justice is holy. Everything about him, you know, is holy. It's right. It's good. Um, so he is holy. I, I'm not sure that, that we are quite clear enough, you know, upon that. Uh, that we see that clearly enough. I mean, we know something of it. Something of it. Can you imagine standing among the children of Israel when Sinai burned and quaked and lightning and smoke? Um, I mean, God came, God came down upon that mountain. And, and there, there's places in Scripture where it talks about the rocks skipping you know, like, like young animals, you know, and goats and things like that, you know, upon the rocks. What's that talking about? The rocks were moved. They began to skip down the side of that mountain, right? So you, you think about some of the places. Go ahead, brother. Yes. He's altogether separate, isn't he? Uh, apart. He's holy. He's holy. Uh, who may abide with him? Knowing what we are. You know, R.C. Sproul was accustomed to say frequently, God is holy and we are not. You know, and that is true. That is true. Who is going to abide with him? Who shall stand in his presence? You know, Job kind of expounds upon this, uh, what David's saying here. When he says in Job 15.15, 15, he says the heavens. The heavens are what? They're not even clean in his sight. Um, uh, the, the, the most, if you think about God's holiness and God's, God's wrath against sin, the most violent, the most violent expression of that is seen upon the cross. God gaves, gave, Brother JT mentioned it, his only begotten son, Right? For he made him to be sin for us, 2 Corinthians 5.21, who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Him who is holy and we who are not gave his only begotten son that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It fits right here where we are. Who shall stand in his presence? Only those who are in Christ. Who are made the righteousness of God in him. And so those things that play out in verses 2 through 5 are really talking about the things that are not optional there are things that are true of all of God's people in fact if these things aren't true of you then you have every reason to question whether or not you belong to the Lord right you know thinking about God's righteousness and his holiness or his holiness mostly name one five talking about the mountains it says the mountains quake at him certainly Sinai did the mountains quake at him, and the hills melt. 
How do hills melt? What does that look like? Maybe lava? Mm -hmm, volcano? And the earth is burned at his presence. Well, certainly the meteorologist wouldn't describe a lava flow in that way, would he? Um, the earth is burned at his presence, yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can stand before him? Who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. I mean, you see a, a, a mountain just completely explode and blow its top, so to speak. Yeah, and rocks and ash just go everywhere, right? I mean, do you remember how many miles that went? I don't know. It was a tremendous distance. It's sort of like these fires that are happening in Canada and the smoke that's coming down, uh, something like that. Do you remember, Steve, how far this, the ash went from St. Helens? 20 miles. I figured he might know. <laughs> That's a long ways for ash to blow. You know, people to 20 miles away to walk out in their yard and see that scattered everywhere like snow. Um, that was something. Psalm 68 8 says, The earth shook, the heavens also dropped at the presence of God. Even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. So we see how creation trembles. And yet you've got the man back in the last psalm who's saying what? The fool says in his heart, there is no God. There's no fear of God before his eyes, right? Yet creation trembles. You get over into James and, you know, you believe there's, uh, you know, God, you do well. But even the devils believe and tremble, right, before his holiness, right? But here, here we, you know, men, um, foolish man, will not tremble before God. We hear of those foretold of in the last day in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verse 17 says, For the day of his wrath has come. That day is coming. For the day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? This is the question that David's asking. Malachi 3, 2 says, But who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. Isaiah 2.12, for the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon every one that is proud and lofty and upon every one that is lifted up and he shall be brought low. Hebrews 12.29, for our God is a consuming fire, isn't he? So does David have every reason to ask this question? Who shall stand in the presence of the Lord? Who shall stand before this consuming fire? How can sinful man stand before a holy God? Moreover, abide with him and remain in his presence. You might appear for a moment, but then poof, you know, you're, you're gone. Um, you know, we, we know there would be no way for any of us to stand in his presence apart from Christ. There's no way. Apart from Christ becoming sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. A similar passage to what we see here in Psalm 15 is found in Isaiah 33 in verse 14 where it says the sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness, and this is much the different aspect from last week where the fool says in his heart there's no God. Fearfulness hath surprised the hypocrites. How many Pharisees are going to be surprised or have, were surprised, have been surprised? Um, 
Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Our God is a consuming fire. Who shall dwell with him? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? He that walketh righteously. This is the answer. That's the question. Here's the answer. He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly. He that despiseth the gain of oppressions, that shaketh his hands from holding bribes, that stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood, and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil, he shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks. Bread shall be given him, his waters shall be sure. You see the same sort of imagery and language, you know, there from the psalmist is there in Isaiah. Um, but that, that part, fearfulness, has surprised There's some people that are going to be surprised. There's some people that would read what we're reading here in Psalm 15. They would take this test that we're about to take, and they wouldn't be bothered in their consciences, right? But in the end, they're going to be, the hypocrites are going to be surprised, is what he's saying there. Fearfulness hath surprised the hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? I've asked that question many times of you. Hmm? Mm. says one thing does another you know that's that's a that's a a a good definition isn't it says one thing how would it sound like in scripture as far as the pharisee was concerned if we're going to use him as an example you know they draw nigh with their mouth but their heart is far from me right now when we read what we're reading here in psalm 15 you know we're talking about speaking truth within the heart their heart's far from, but the heart of the believer is very near. Um, is, is even, even saying, like the psalmist, I'm getting ahead of myself, but the psalmist in Psalm 51 says, search me, try me, see if there be any wicked way in me, lead me, you know, in righteousness. Um, you know, so we, we have a tremendous contrast, don't we, between the two. Another place with similar language is Psalm 24. And this is where you may be familiar with what we read in verse number 1 of Psalm 15. Psalm 24 verse 3 says this, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands. You know, here's some commentary on Psalm 15, isn't it? He who hath clean hands and a pure heart who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. All the same sort of things we're talking about in Psalm 15. So who can come into his presence? Clean hands and a pure heart. You know, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you, what, double-minded, Scripture says. But clean hands and a pure heart. What kind of heart's going to be a pure heart? Hmm? One in Christ. How about a new one, too? If it's in Christ, it is, right? Have, have you been given a new heart? Does the Scripture not say that? Does the Scripture not say that His people shall have such a thing as a new heart? There's a transformation that's taken place. Are you the same as you were? Is there any difference in you between the time that you made, you know, before, the time you made a profession of faith, and now? You know, or did you make a profession of faith and there was no change? Because here, it's plain, it's plainly evident that there is a change. As we read these things, who's going to? Well, these are those who are going to, and it gives us an answer. 
Mm -hmm. The heart is the center of everything that we are. It's not this thing beating in our chest. Yeah, it's the, the, the scripture talks about the heart. It, 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 is, it is everything that you are. You know, it's your, it's your mind, it's your thoughts, it's your emotions. You know, it's everything within you. Um, and where, you're, where you're, 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 your treasure is. Out of the bones of the heart, the mouth speaks. Exactly. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Um, so, you know, where's your heart? Does it love the Lord your God with all of its, all that you are? You know, all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, everything? Uh, and your neighbor as yourself? I mean, that tracks here too, doesn't it? Because we're talking about the way that we that interact with those around us. You know what we're looking at here. Yeah. It does. Right. <laughs> lots of things are that way, aren't they? <laughs> um, lots of those sayings that, that um, you see that one, you know, that's, that's cross-stitched onto something and hung on somebody's wall, you know. Um, but a heart that beats after holiness. When, the, when God says, be holy, for I am holy. When God says, be perfect, that our hearts say, Lord, I long to be. I want to be holy. I want to be perfect. I want to honor you. I want to glorify you. Are, 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 we, are we perfect? Hmm? Right. <laughs> In a justified capacity? Absolutely. We stand holy and righteous. In the flesh? No. That thing, we're going to drop that thing and we're going to rise and receive a glorified body, right? Yeah. Yes. Even so come Lord Jesus, right? On the other side of things, sanctification, we're being made. You know, we're, we're, we're being sanctified. We're being made holy. We're, there's a war going on. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, right? So we're in this battle uh, we're, we're pulling down strongholds. You know, we're finding ourselves throughout the week and there's, you know, something that happens and we respond. And we're like, Lord, I can't believe I responded that way, even within. You know, I've, I've had confrontations with people when my wife and mother-in-law are present and I've had to ask them afterwards, did that sound on the outside like it felt inside because I didn't want it to. Inside, my flesh was exercised. But I didn't want that to come out, you know, um, to the person that I was talking to, and they were, Teresa would be like, "No, it didn't. you know." She's, like, "I understand. <laughs> I know you." <laughs> it didn't sound on the outside like I'm sure it, it felt on the inside. Um, but you know, containing that, keeping that under subjection, you know, and saying, "No, you can't come out." Uh, you know, I I I want to honor the Lord here in my speech. I want to honor the Lord here in my actions. Um, you know, so you know, there's there's a new heart that beats. And lives for the Lord. Daily. I die daily. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We do. We do die daily, don't we? Uh, we? Do you not see things every single day? Do you, not, do you not have cause to go before the Lord every single day and say, Lord, forgive me? Um, you know, say, Lord, help me. Lord, cause me to be able to stand here. Lord, help me to be able to, to honor you here. Uh, in this, I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to act that way. I don't want to do those things. I, I want to be what you called me to be. And I want to be the light that I'm called to be and the salt that I'm called to be, you know, in this earth, in this world. So, 
Uh, but a heart that lives for God, that desires to worship, adore, and please Him in everything that we do and say. Right, right. We're not double-minded. Uh, we're not serving two masters. You know, we're, you can't. How can you serve two masters? Uh, you're going to love the one and hate the other one. Um, right. Trying to serve two masters. You know, double-minded, hearer of the word, not a doer. I mean, there's a lot of places we could go with that, isn't there? Um, as, we, as we think about it, and all good things. Um, so think about it like this. In, in the things that you've, you've been mentioning, how about Matthew 5.20? which is one of the things that I thought about. The Lord says, I say unto you, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Righteousness that exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees. Well, they were the epitome, you know, of what people considered to be righteous in their day. But it was all what? It was all external. Yeah, yeah, it was. Hmm? But in Christ, you know, there's, there's a heart that it's, it's true within, not just without. Outside, they were beautiful sepulchers, but inside, they were full of dead men's bones. You know, it was all without. What were they after? They're after the praise of men. They were trying to establish their own righteousness by keeping the law. You know, this that we're talking about here is not legalism. The things that the Lord's calling us unto and saying, this is true, you know, of my people. This is what will be true in the heart of those that belong unto me. You know, this isn't legalism here, this, and we aren't trying to establish our own righteousness. This isn't a works-based salvation. This isn't talking about salvation here. If you do these things, you'll be saved. You know, well, people can do some of these things and not be saved, you know, because it's not coming from the heart. It's just like we said last week about good and talking about the Word itself, and the man comes before the Lord and says, you know, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The Lord said, why do you call you me? Why calls thou me good? Well, because the man's whole definition of his life and what was good was, I've done all these things externally. And so the Lord hits him with the one thing that, that reaches inside. You know, he was covetous. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. He couldn't do it. You know, he couldn't do that. <clears throat> so we must have a righteousness. Where's that righteousness come from? It's Christ. A righteousness that exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees. A righteousness that's born within. What, brother? He gave the very first commandment. Right. Went to the top of the list. <laughs> well, how about 1 John 3, 7? You know, as we look at these things and think about them, little children, let no man deceive you. What is John going to say? He says, he that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous, that is God, is righteous. And we can't help but say, you know, what Matthew 7 says, when the Lord says, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. So that's, that's really where it's at, isn't it? Do we do 
I mean, that was the thing that we heard, you know, in, in our Lord's ministry, his earthly ministry. The Lord, you know, continually was said of him. The Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. What He was about doing the will of the Father. You know, it's not about my will. It's not about what I want. It's what God, what's God's called me to. You know, because there's a lot of times when I say that, you know, I know that, that he works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So we think about it from that standpoint. But we also think about it when there's hard things that come into our lives. We would sometimes, you know, we want to say, oh, I'd, I'd rather not be this way. I'd rather things be easier. You know, I'd rather not go through this. But then we have to come to ourselves just like what the Lord prayed there in the garden, saying, if it would be possible, let this cup pass. And there's nothing wrong with praying that and saying, Lord, if it's possible, let this thing pass. Um, but nevertheless... Here's our heart. Here's really where our hearts are. Not my will, but thine be done. Right? So many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied thy name? That's an external thing you can do, right? Right? And have we not cast out devils? Again, external thing. Done many wonderful works externally. They've done these things. But the Lord says, I will profess unto them, just like the parable of the ten virgins, right? He had five who had, five who had not. And the Lord says the same thing unto the five who did not have oil in their lamps. I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So it's not a how to be saved psalm. It's a test of your inward character and whether or not you really belong to the Lord. That's what it is. It shows the character of those who have been made righteous in Christ. So did he become sin for you, that you might be made the righteousness of God in him? You know, that's, that's the thing. So verse 1 of our text says God's, uses the term God's tabernacle and God's holy hill. Well, these are figures of speech having to do with where God is, where he dwells, and us dwelling with him uh, is what it has to do with it. Who's going to abide, you know, with him? The Lord says, I go and prepare a place for you. Who's going to abide with him, right? Did he mean you and me? I go to prepare a place for you? That's what David's asking. Who shall abide, you know, with the Lord? The Lord's prepared a place for all those who are his. He's coming again to receive them, isn't he? Revelation 21.3 says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. I mean, the Lord came and was in our midst, right? If you've seen me, he told Thomas, you've seen the Father. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. He's coming up, and he's, he's, he's coming, he's, take, he's, he's, he's taking up residence within us, hasn't he? I mean, we, we are that tabernacle. You know, who shall dwell with the Lord? Well, there's a sense in which you are right now if you belong to him. God is abiding with you, and you are abiding with him. He's abiding in you, and you're abiding in him. And there's a fuller sense, isn't there? We're talking about, we're thinking about that we're going to be in the presence of the Lord, and we're going to dwell with him forever, you know. But he's already, you know, abiding within. So who shall dwell with him? 
He says, and they shall be, my, or be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, no crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So we could say, in a sense, we receive the earnest of our inheritance. But there's a, there's a fuller inheritance to come, the fullness of our inheritance to come. Um, I'm not diminishing the Lord's presence in our lives, but... There's coming a day when our eyes shall, like Job said, way, way, way back there. Though worms, you know, consume my reins, he says, yet I shall see God. You know, I shall see him for myself and not for another. I shall see him with these own eyes. I shall see him, you know. So there's a fuller sense in which we shall behold him. We behold him now. But there's a fuller sense in which he, he's given us enough to occupy us until he comes, hasn't he? Yeah. Jesus has the spirit without measure. measure. Yes. Not without measure, right? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. We shall see him, and we shall be what? Like him. We shall know even as we are known. Those things aren't yet, are they? We see through a glass darkly. But then, face to face. I th- think about Moses. You know, and God says he spoke with Moses as with a friend. You know, uh, you know, all, sort of face to face. I know he didn't see all of you know, his glory, but he came down from the mountain and his face was shining enough, enough that it scared people, that they were afraid, and they said, would you put something over that? We can't bear to even look. I mean, they couldn't bear to hear from God themselves. They said, you go. Let God speak to you, and what he says to you, we'll do. They didn't, but some did. But they couldn't bear to even see his face when he came down off of the mountain. So who shall dwell there? Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Have you seen it? Not fully. You know. I, I've, I've, I've seen in part. You know. we, we've prophesied in part. But then it's going to be right face to face. So he's, the psalmist isn't asking here if you're baptized. The psalmist isn't asking here if you regularly attend church. The psalmist isn't asking here if you tithe. He isn't asking here how often you pray or any of those things that you can do. The test that's being given here is whether or not there's been a transformation in your life. Whether or not there's been a new heart given. Whether or not God abides really within you. And whether or not old things have passed away and all things have become new. I can't remember the quote exactly, but one woman said, either the world's completely changed or I have. There's been a change. There was a change in her. You can't be admitted into his holy presence apart from having this righteousness that is of Christ. So it's not how to be saved, but these are marks of those, and not the only marks that we see in Scripture. If you read what I sent to you this morning, and I'll try to send that to you, if you read it all, then you got to the bottom and you said, well, there's 11 things, and I haven't gotten all of them. Am I going to get those? And yes, I'll try, to, I'll try to send those to you. So not the only place that we see these sorts of things, but here's a place that the psalmist gives us enough. 
that God gives us enough of a test. Do we know him? Do we belong to him? Are we redeemed? Are we a new creation in Christ? Have we been made new? Are we transformed? Do we have a righteousness that is not our own? Hmm? Yeah. We have a righteousness that is alien to us. It was not ours. We did not come with it. We could not attain to it. We could not purchase it. Um, you think about Simon, um, the sorcerer, wasn't it? He, he, wanted, to, he wanted to buy. Um, and your money perished with you was the... the, the you're, you're, in, you're in the, ball, the, the gall of, uh, of bitterness and the, and the bonds of iniquity. Um, but is Christ working in us, through us, to will and to do of his good pleasure? Because verse number two says that this characteristic that is true of all God's people is that they walk uprightly. They walk uprightly. They work righteousness. They speak truth. Um, and, and we can think about that to say speak truth. Speak truth with your neighbor. You know, there's another verse of scripture, but they speak truth in their hearts. Um, if, if, if our hearts trouble us, if our hearts you know, condemn us, if, if there's something that we've done that's, that, that, that's not right, the characteristic of the believer is you're going to have to make that right. You're not going to have rest. You're not going to have peace until you make that thing right. And until you get right, you know, with, with, with God. You know, we sang the hymn this morning, Is thy heart right with God? You know, there's the question this morning. Is your heart right with God? So the walk of the upright involves doing what is right in the sight of God. So here's the thing that's questioned this, this, this circumstance, this, this decision that has to be made before Cohen. He's used to it by now. I use him frequently. But here's this decision that he's got to make. I don't know if he's got to make a decision. I haven't been talking to Cohen about any decisions. I'm sure there are decisions that he's, that he's having to make right now. What is the answer here? What's right in the sight of God. What would God have me to do? Whether I eat or drink or whatsoever I do, I'm to do all of the glory of God. So there's the answer to the question, and there is the walk of the upright, is to do what is right in the sight of God. You know, Lord, here's this thing before me. Here's this opportunity, maybe. Uh, should I partake of it? Is, is it something that would glorify the Lord? You know, can I join myself to this thing? Is this right in God's sight? You know, there's, there's the walk of the uprightly. So it involves doing what is right in the sight of God. That's the testimony of us, of our belonging unto him, is that we do. You know, the righteous, we are called the righteous. They do righteousness. This is the walk of the upright. If we're his, it will be manifest in everything that we do. Um, I'll say it again. Eat, drink pretty common things, things we do every day. Um, right in the sight of God. Whatever we do, eat, drink, whatsoever we do, do we do all to the glory of God. If when we were supposedly converted, if we were converted, then we were changed. And then this is true of us. This is our heart's desire, is to do what is right in the sight of God. 
to do what would please God, to do what would honor God, we are not going to be happy unless we're living there. I've mentioned to you before the statement that I, I read so many years ago, the most miserable person upon the face of the earth is the Christian in sin. No more miserable creature than that. So, if we have been changed, then it's, it's going to affect where we walk. It's going to affect how we walk. It's going to affect with whom we walk. It's going to affect all those things. It goes back to Psalm 1 again. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. I can't walk with that. How can two walk together except they be agreed? You know, I can't walk with the ungodly. Doesn't mean I can't be around the ungodly. If that were the case, I'd have to go live in a cave, right? Nor standeth in the way of sinners. Well, the way of sinners is the exact opposite of what we're talking about here in the, in the walk of the upright, isn't it? Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. To do what is right in God's sight. To keep his commandments. To do what, you know, we were slaves to, to sin, weren't we? But if we're his, we're no longer slaves to sin. And I've said it this way before, but it may strike you a little, you know, like I'm not sure that quite makes sense, but we are slaves to righteousness. Because on one hand, when you think about it that way, you think that we're being forced and compelled. Well, in a sense, we are, because that is our nature. Um, we want to do those things, but it's not against our will. You know, our will is to do the will you know, of the Father. You know, that's, that's our will. That's what's been put. It wouldn't be so apart from the grace of God. It wouldn't be so apart from a transformation. It wouldn't be so apart from being converted. That would not be a reality. But because of a new heart, that is true. Is that true of you? Do you desire to do God's will in all that you do? I mean, when it comes down to, to the decisions in the, in the daily life that you make, I mean, how do you make those decisions? You know, what governs that? What's, what's the guiding force, you know, there? Um, you know, is it just, well, I can do whatever I want. You know, I can sin that grace may abound. Well, Paul dealt with that. God forbid that we would even think such a thing. Um, so... It has to do with our walk, our manner of life, what we think, what we say, what we do, what we join ourselves to, what we approve, what we disapprove, how we conduct ourselves among the world. This is the walk of the upright. You know, for the believer, God's commandments carry weight. You know, don't they? These are, these are weighty things. Yes. Absolutely. It all comes down to thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. You know? I mean, if, if, we, if we did that, how could we wrong our neighbor? You know? uh, how would we ever wrong our neighbor if we were... There wouldn't be, yeah, wouldn't be any need for you know, police or... <laughs> yeah. No, no door locks. I, I, I lock mine every day. Uh, <laughs> Uh, everywhere, pretty much I go, except here lately with my truck, I'm having trouble with it. So I, I've got to I've got to pop the hood a lot of times in case I have to have a jump because it has a the new engine that got put in has got problems. I got to a customer's house this week and had to ask them to to uh, <laughs> that that doesn't look good, does it? <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> go knock on the door after you've already talked to them. Um, I hate to bother you, but could you come out and and and, and I got jumper cables, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah, take it easy on him. Yeah. <laughs> well, these things are beyond just what's written on the page. When we think about them being weighty. They mean something. They are, they are written, Scripture says, in our hearts. And this new heart that we've been given, it's written there. It's written upon our hearts. Um, you, you think about it in terms of, 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 of somewhat in the realm where, where Donnie is, you know, in, in computers or, or where my brother used to be, my youngest brother, in coding. I mean, it's, it's encoded in a sense. I mean, it's encoded in us. I'm not saying that we're perfect, that we can't sin because we can if, 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 there was no, if there was no possibility of a sinning, you know, then we wouldn't be told to confess our sins. That got coded as well in the fall. It got coded in the fall. It's there. And until, until we receive a glorified body, it's going to be a part of us in the flesh, isn't it? Um, it's, it's still there. Even though we have a new heart, you know, that flesh is still there. Um, but, but it's written upon our hearts. Um, and, you know, it's, 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 it's not just something that's on paper with ink. You know, that sits in front of us that we've got to go and, okay, I've got to remind myself of these things again. Okay, here they are. Um, we try to do all these Ten Commandments today. Uh, try to keep all these. No, they're, they're there. I mean, they're, they're, they're in our decision-making. They're in how that we conduct ourselves. It's already there. It's the yes, exactly. This new nature that we have. New creation, yes. Right, mm-hmm. the new man. Uh, created in righteousness and true holiness, right? So it's there, it's in us, it's part of us. And so when, again, that question or that decision comes, there are things that rise up and say, whoa, hold on, you know, this, you need to be careful here. Uh, or, you know, this, this, this is, this is my will. Uh, or no, you can't, you can't join yourself to this thing. Uh, you know, our, our consciences are supercharged in a sense, uh, it's, it's beyond just knowing right from wrong. Uh, we desire to do right because it is right, because it glorifies God in the doing of it. Um, so, you know, we, it, like I said, it's not that we do not sin, but, you know, we want to sin less. We want to sin less. Well, we, we love the Lord, but we want to love Him more. You know, we want to love Him more. Uh, we desire to walk before Him in truth. Um, we desire to walk more perfectly. We don't want to be dishonest. We don't want to be deceitful. Those aren't, those aren't marks of, of a believer. Those are marks of the world for sure. But when we fall short, we've talked about this in, in messages past, the Lord corrects us. He chastens us. He calls us to holiness. He calls us to righteousness. We're being conformed into the image of His Son. Um, so do you get the sense of what the psalmist is, is, is saying here? regarding the one who walks uprightly? Um, is it true? Yeah, yeah. You know, this whole walking uprightly, is it, is it true of us? Is this really a part of you? Is this really who you are? Um, does this really make up who you are? Can you say this in all uh, honesty and sincerity? Uh, it's important because it's evidence of us belonging unto him. We walk uprightly. We work righteousness. We speak the truth in our hearts. 
In other words, our walk agrees with what God's Word says. Our walk agrees with what He's put in our hearts. Our walk agrees with what He's put into our, 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 our minds. Um, Again, we desire to, here we're walking before the Lord. We're desiring to walk uprightly. We're desiring to work righteousness. We're desiring to speak the truth in our heart. And so we come. And if I was Don Johnson, I would, as I saw him preach a message in, in um, where were we? It was up there. What is that place up in the camp that they do? Uh, Denton, yeah. Uh, not the camp that Brother Don Johnson does, but, but he ran right underneath, as Mac Tomlinson, this one they do, underneath a light. And, he, and he's very animated those of you who know him. I don't know that I'll ever be able to get him back. We've had him many times, but I don't know that I'll be able to get him back. We'll see his, 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 his health and things. It's difficult for him to travel anymore. Uh, his heart, would, he would love to be with us, you know, but a very animated person. And he, would run, he ran underneath that light. You know, search me. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. You know, that is the heart of the believer that wants to walk uprightly, that desires to walk uprightly, to walk void of offense. Before God and before men. If, if, if this isn't true, then we have to swallow some of the stuff that Brother JT's been preaching against, and we have to say, okay, well, then it must be so that people can receive Jesus as their Savior, and then there's the whole Lordship salvation. Later, He can be Lord of your life. No. He's, he's either Savior and Lord, or He's neither. Because these things are marks. These things are true of all of God's people. It's not just for an elite group of people that these things are true of. It's standard. It's, it's, it's things that are standard equipment, if we want to put it that way, in God's people. If you know that he is righteous, 1 John 2.29, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. You know, that... We could have just quoted that verse of Scripture before, but everything that we said so far, it, it, it helps, you know, to magnify. And that, that's, it's just like Provi was playing that hymn for us, you know, this morning, and she's way back there. You could be further back in some churches, but, you know, it's not so far back in ours, but she's way back there. And so I can't hear it as well as she can there. But the things that we've said, and we read that verse of Scripture, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him, the volume's greater from the things that we've already said. Uh, it, it's a little louder. And when we read places like Matthew seven eighteen, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. We're called to be fruitful, aren't we? Right? Called to be fruitful. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. We mentioned that earlier. Can we see these things in us? Are these things a reality in your life? John three nineteen says, This is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, what we were talking about a while ago, coming to the light, search me, try me, see if there be. It says here that they don't come to the light lest their deeds should be reproved. Well, those who walk uprightly come to the light so that their deeds can be reproved. If there is something, you know, there, the Lord would put his finger on, Lord, show me. 
Some things we, well, why didn't the Lord show us that years ago? I've done that for a long time. You weren't ready for it yet. <laughs> you weren't ready to deal with that yet. There, there were other things that had to be dealt with before that. Uh, I've seen that in my own life. Um, but he that doeth truth walketh uprightly. He that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. So the Christian's not going around pretending to be one thing and scheming to do something else. You know, if, if that's true of a person's heart and life, then they don't have the marks that we're talking about here of a believer. The ultimate reality is that God, as we look at the question that the psalmist asks, is too holy for any of us to come before him except we have the righteousness of Christ, except we be born again, except we have a new nature. You know, he abides within us as a result of that that's been done within us, not by us, but by him. And he gets all the glory for it, and it's not by anything that we've done. Um, we must have a mediator who can cleanse us from our sins and bring us to God. Christ has cleansed us from our sins and brought us. You know, he says, Father, here are the ones that you've given me. I've kept them all. You know, lost none, save the son of you know, perdition. But those who truly seek such a mediator find one in God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the next thing that we read here is the righteous man does not backbite with his tongue. He doesn't speak evil of his neighbor. How you doing? It's a test, right? <laughs> doesn't backbite with his tongue. Doesn't speak evil with his neighbor. I don't think any time that I've done that, I'm thinking back to high school, you know, especially, I don't think any time that I've done that, it ever turned out well. It always came back to bite me. <laughs> always. Always. One man said, it is indeed sinful, and we mentioned this earlier, to think, but I wanted to read the quote, to think too hardly of our friends, but no damage is done, he says, if we remain silent until our malicious feelings have been repented of and, and, and subdued. But when we give our wicked thoughts to our tongue, he says, we always cut and hurt, sometimes inflicting wounds that will never heal. Man, this thing here it can set on <laughs> it can set the world on fire can it um what were you saying brother five yeah <laughs> um the man who here's another quote that i wanted to to read to you john trapp says the tailbearer carrieth the devil in his tongue Somebody goes around telling things about people, carries the devil in his tongue. Well, you're not off the hook if you heard what the tailbearer said because he goes on to say this, the tailhearer carries the devil in his ear. You know, and he, of course, can become the tailbearer carrying the devil in his tongue and then the tail, you know, hearer. Uh, but it has to stop somewhere, right? How many times did... My kids, did they come to me and they said, well, so-and-so did this. And so-and-so did that. And I'm like, well, it takes two, doesn't it? 
you know, if it was just that they did that and you did nothing, that would be a different story. But they did something and you did something, you know, so now I have to deal with both of you, you know, over this. But someone put it in, um, oh, well, let me finish that other quote. It says, if the slanderer could find no delighted listeners to hear his evil reports, he would soon give up peddling them, you know. Uh, But someone put it in this perspective. I thought it good to share it with you. He said, what man would not seek to stop someone from damaging another's property? Or maybe you saw something, you know, on fire and you, they're not home, you know, or maybe they are home. You're trying to save them out of the, you know, I I saw an article this week where, you know, an officer, it was a close call, where he's pulled somebody out of a burning car. I mean, it just engulfed right after, you know, he got them out. But but, um, what man would not seek to stop someone from damaging another's property? He went on to say, should we be less tolerant of those who come to us maligning our neighbor's character? You know, we might, you know, you know here, here comes a, have you ever seen a, a buggy go in a, a cart in a, in, a, in a grocery store parking lot or a Home Depot? Here it comes, here it comes. And Cohen goes running because it's heading for somebody's car. And he's seeking that to keep from damaging someone else's property. You know, uh, well, Think about it that way with a tailbearer that comes to tell you something, maligning somebody's character. Stop it right there. Just like when Cohen grabbed that buggy and it didn't put a big dent in somebody's door. You know, they would have come out and they would have like, how did this happen? You know, uh, of course, the buggy's probably still there unless it blew off, you know, somewhere else. Uh, but, um, you know, we can, we can stop people from maligning other person's, you know, character. Exodus 23 in verse 1 puts it like this. Thou shalt not raise a false report. Put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil, neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest judgment, neither shalt thou countenance a poor man in his cause. If thou meet thine enemy's ox or, or his ass going astray, this is what I'm talking about, an enemy, right? And, and, and here's his ox that's going astray. What are we going to do? Just let it go. No. Not what it says. Thou shalt surely bring it back unto him again. You know, what's, what's in our hearts in regards to that? Um, verse 7 in that same, that same chapter, Keep thee far from a false matter. You know, there's, there's the stopping something that you hear right there in its tracks. Keep far from a false matter. And the innocent and the righteous slay thou not, for I will not justify the wicked. And thou shalt take no gift, for the gift blindeth the wise and perverteth the words of the righteous. I wonder how many bribes, how many court cases, how many judges in history you know, have, have ruled against the innocent you know, for gain. You know, and God has seen it time and time and time and over and over and over again. Well, of all that, William Penn said, Believe nothing against another, but on good authority, nor report what may hurt another unless it be a greater hurt to conceal it. Hmm? We had a discussion a long time ago about something like that. Um, you know, but, but if it's a greater hurt to conceal it, we can't conceal it. it. It has to be made known. Um, so, on the other hand, 
from what we're talking about, marks of the believer, if we like being with the wicked, thinking like the wicked, speaking like the wicked, maybe it's because we're wicked. Hmm? Are you sincerely concerned with doing what is right in the sight of God? Does my life bear any witness to my testimony? You know, how many people have a testimony, but there's no fruit, really, uh, in, in their lives? Does it produce any fruit? If it doesn't produce any fruit, then maybe we have a repentance that needs to be repented of. Are you a hearer of the word and a doer also? Do you simply attend church on Sunday, or do you attend to these things throughout the week, the other days of the week? A life that professes to be Christian, but in no way actually reflects God's holiness, does not possess true salvation. That's a summary of what we're talking about, you know, here. Are we perfect? No. But we desire to be, you know. I mean, I've had that thrown in my face more than once. You just think you're perfect, don't you? <laughs> no. But I know the one who is. And I know the one who stands, you know, and, and, and who was crucified in my place, that I have a standing before God, you know. Um, you think about the Christian and transgressions. When you think about that, the psalmist says, I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. I mean, if we sin against the Lord, that is a reality for us if we're his. Our sin is ever before us. Until we acknowledge that thing and confess that thing, it's ever before us. So do you acknowledge your transgressions and confess your sins before him? Are your sins ever before you when you commit them? Do you desire to be free from them? Do you go to the Lord in repentance and prayer and ask him for strength to overcome them? You know, these are marks of the believer. And I said, search me, O God. That was Psalm 51, but that was actually the other passage. That's Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. And what? Lead me in the way everlasting. Do you feel like this new life is in you? Hmm? Do you feel like it's in you? That's, that's the question you need to be asking yourself this morning. Do you feel like this new life is within you? That's, it's an important question to ask, and it's even more important that you have an answer because none of us knows when we're going to go stand before the Lord. Who's going to stand in the sight? Um, well, the Lord scrutinizes our walk and our talk, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, we're convicted and convinced of sin when, we, when we've committed it. He sees, he knows all that I say, all that I do. He's concerned. Does he notice? Does he care? Yeah, he, he notices, he cares. He knows all that I say and all that I do. Not just without, but even in my heart, he knows. He knows. It is that love of God that constrains us, you know, to do what is right, you know, in his sight. Even in our actions towards other people, you know, when we get into the other things that we see written there, we, we, we condemn 
what the vile person does. We honor those that fear the Lord. We swear even to our own hurt. We don't put our money out, you know, to usury. If we see our brother that, you know, we've got two coats and he doesn't have one. Uh, well, I'll, I'll rent it to you, you know. <laughs> no, um, I know that's absurd, put it that way, but it, it proves the, makes the point, uh, I guess. But um, nor taketh reward against the innocent. So doing what is right in God's sight, that's the person that's going to be able to, the Lord's going to strengthen, uphold as we look to him in these times and these situations and circumstances. Hebrews thirteen sixteen says, but to do good and to communicate, forget not for with such sacrifices. You read that passage and I put it, it's not in the scripture list that I gave you, but you read that passage this morning, uh, brother. With such sacrifices, God is well pleased. What are we unto God? We are kings and what? Priests. What did priests do? They offered sacrifices. So these things, we could view them, in a sense, as sacrifices that we offer up before the Lord that are well-pleasing in His sight. Just, even, even our prayers have a sweet fragrance and aroma. What do they sound like? Lord, I want to do what's right in this situation. That is a sweet fragrance. That is a pleasing sacrifice uh, before the Lord, isn't it? Uh, it's a pleasant aroma uh, it has connected to it. It's far from, from um, what he hears in the hearts of others that aren't seeking to do what is right in the sight of God, that don't walk uprightly. It stinks in his nostrils. Um, so can we say that as we read through these things in Psalm 15 that we find those things to be true in us? I can't answer that question for you. I have to answer it for myself. You know, I can't answer it for you. You're going to have to answer it for yourself before the Lord. Uh, you need to know the answer you know, to that question because it depends on whether or not you're going to be able to dwell with him or stand before him.